0: Hello, welcome to this podcast on inner child healing. I did touch on this a little bit in my last podcast, but in this one, we're going to talk about it fully in depth because the past couple of weeks, I just freed myself into it, had active conversations with life coaches, with youth workers, so child care practitioners, and psychologists just to expand my own knowledge on it. And in a way, it actually validated what I already knew. But we only, but we don't need validation. But it's nice to have it sometimes. So just the starting point of inner child healing. Inner child healing is basically unmet needs and wants that from child, from childhood that is brought into our each stay, age and stage of life. So whatever happened when you were five can affect you when you're fifteen to twenty five, thirty, fifty. Whatever it may be, there's always unmet needs and wants in certain forms and elements that when we become aware of it, we can always revisit it to kind of heal that part of themselves. I can't think of a better word than heal because I know that when you think of the word heal in regards to psychology and counseling methodologies, you'll think that's just hippy-dippy shit which is valid, but it's not hippy-dippy shit. It's literally how we process things, how we pick up on things from learned behaviour, as when we are children in nursery. We pick, we learn from adults' behaviours. We learn manners based on how a teacher speaks to us. We pick up on so much and we don't actually realise what we trained ourselves into learning. And some of the things that we learnt wasn't okay for it to be taught to us as children. And it's by acknowledging that from how people react to us and how it made us feel, has then created a learning experience from us to never want to feel that feeling again. So you implement different patterns in the way of protecting yourself, in the way of survival instincts. I was having a conversation with my friend, where she is now a classroom assistant, I believe, or a teacher, and she can recognise this young girl doing exactly what she will done in school. This young girl is an observer. She would be described by teachers as quiet, as shy, as all different categories of shyness and quietness, but yet very polite. Whereas my friend turned around and went no yes she has all those things but she is confident she can communicate she is just being an observer in school because my friend had actually seen her outside of school and seen her just be a completely different sense of self which shows again from a young age up to now we are different people with different friends with family members we're different we're a different aspect of self uh, with every individual we're not the same as in family we're not the same in class we're not the same with friends we're not the same in romantic relationships and we're not the same in work settings and so forth so she actually brought up about how when she was a young girl she learned by observing the class she was the quiet one but she was an observer she was able to see a child she would see one of her peers get made fun of and she felt that her classmates' embarrassment and humiliation. So then that taught her to be like, okay, so I'm never going to do that because I never want to feel that way. And that then promoted certain pattern of behaviour for her to survive school of witnessing what people were going for and what they felt, whether it was like bullying or like secondhand. You know, like when kids just say smart-ass stuff. Uh, But she put that as being an observer and protecting herself in school, in an environment. And that shows how unsafe she felt at school amongst her peers. And I would say school is literally where a lot of people hold a lot of trauma from school, because so much happens in school that it really impacts your early 20s. Because no one really, from speaking to my own peer group, we're only really unraveling everything that went on at school in our early 20s when all that happened, all that our life experiences of school happened when we were at least 15, 14, 15, our prime years of adolescence. And we were able to dismantle that in our early 20s of 23 and 24. That's just one side of it. So that was one part of learned behaviour from being in situations of identifying how things would make us feel second-handedly or primary-handedly and our survival instincts in that. But unmet needs can be a parent not being able to show you love, a parent not being able to communicate with you the way they would communicate to your siblings. There's so much to unravel there and wants can be not being able to go on school trips because of your financial situations not being able to go on holiday not being able to get me and my friend were talking about this and we were talking about how you could tell the difference between our quotes rich kids to the poor kids because the poor kids were the ones bringing barbie dolls whereas the rich kids got to bring in the latest ds's the latest games the latest technology concepts whereas the per kids which i would have been in would have been bringing barbie dolls or electric tonic which may we'll call it cars that we would have like just physical games that we would have like board games telly bears like all that stuff so that showed a lot of we want the latest things because they have that but our parents couldn't afford that understandably so for me it was ballet lessons so for me i always wanted to be a little ballerina maybe it's from that little mice on tv angelina ballerina <laughs> who knows but i wanted to be a ballerina because i remember my aunt turned around to my mom and going why don't you try looking at lessons because she really wants to do this But now, and I remember being so disappointed that, like, that never happened. But looking back, I can tell it was because my family didn't have the resources to go out and find ballet classes. And they didn't have a big social group. They were kind of inclusive. And they kept themselves to themselves, so they wouldn't have known of local communities, of local organisations, or anything like that. But also, there might be an element of just not being able to afford it. And that's okay. And I also want to include that they are deaf as well, which limits their ability to communicate confidently. There might have been a little bit of a confidence issue of communicating with other parents as well, because when you think about it, I'm now 24. This conversation would have happened when I was like seven. So that is like, more than 10, 15 years ago. Probably been sitting on the math sir, but I don't do math. I'm not good at thinking on the spot, so we're just not gonna go there. <laughs> but that's an example of an unmeant want that I really wanted to do, but it was something that was fulfilled later this year because me, my sister, and uh, my friend actually went to see The Little Mermaid in the ballet show. I was kind of worried that I would be bored as an adult but then I was like you know what when I was a kid I've always wanted to do this Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney show let's go and do it so we did and the first hour I was ecstatic I felt like in my chest I felt like there was just a burst of emotion and I was like why am I so emotional I'm so happy I could literally cry like I am buzzing then I realized it was because this was something I've always wanted deep, deep, deep down from when I was a kid, being brought in from when I was seven as a child, bring it, it all up to the age of 24, of it being unmet all these years. So the fact they even got to go and experience it, because when you're watching Christmas movies, when you're younger, you always see like the mum bringing her daughter to the ballet show, and they're sitting, they're watching this beautiful act of just dance and how I dance is interpretation and I fell and I love that stuff I fall in love with it I love interpretation and how beautiful art can be so the fact that I got this wave of emotion and I just let myself feel it I was loving it I was enjoying it and then the second half I was confused by the whole storyline because um when I released those emotions I was like I actually have no idea what's going on in this ballet because I thought it was going to be the same as the Disney movie. It absolutely wasn't. It was based on the original Little Mermaid story, which is a little bit more brutal and not PG at all. But I still had fun. Just next time, I would definitely go to the 30-minute talk explaining the ballet and then go to see the ballet after. So that's just one example of my own life story of an unmet, unmet want. So going back to how our needs and wants can be unmet in childhood that that's just a portion of small little things that we've learned as children that can incite inner child healing in our adulthood but it's not just about the small things it can also be about the big things so it can be about being abused it can be about being physically sexually emotionally Abuse, having neglect, domestic violence, sex trafficking, um, on top of my head, there's so much really, really heavy, serious topics that can affect us in our whole lifehood, whether we are, it from birth, from the age of five, from the age of 10, 20, 30, 40, it doesn't matter. Like, these things affect us at any time in our life and it's really about recognizing the emotions attached because a lot of times when something happens whether it's being abused or feeling like you're not heard or not having confidence because of something that happened we we then can really struggle identifying the emotion because we understand that we have some sort of feeling, but we don't know why we feel a certain way. We don't know why. Like, it's so hard when you're talking about a situation, you're like, but I don't understand why I'm not confident, but I don't understand why I feel that way towards someone. I don't understand why I'm so afraid. And it's all about knowing your core emotions and knowing... How do you emotionally regulate? Because we seem to lose that in school. We're taught as I used to work in nursery. Uh, I'm a child care protect, protect or No, child care practitioner. I am a child care practitioner, and I am a play worker as well as a youth worker for many, many, many years. And we are taught in nursery and in P one to identify emotions of colour, and how to channel these emotions into activities to just get our feelings out but for some reason as we go throughout school throughout primary school to secondary school to tech to college university that side of how to emotionally regulate is no longer taught it's no longer emphasized so whenever we go into situations and we feel like absolute shit we feel so confused so overwhelmed we have no confidence we don't have this we don't have that we forget how to emotionally regulate because how what from how we were taught to emotionally regulate at the age of five isn't necessarily the right method of emotional regulating yourself not And it's about revisiting that and saying, right, how? Like, how do I identify emotions? How do I let it out in a healthy way in order to create a sense of peace for myself? And it's about being a lot more accepting of yourself and your emotions and how you choose to self-regulate, whether it's an unhealthy way You do have to accept that because I do know that a lot of times people feel guilty for how they chose to to emotionally regulate when they were in a bad place. But you you could only do what you could at that time from what you knew at that time, whether it's drug abuse, alcohol, saying awful things to someone. You now know that that was how you used to emotionally regulate yourself then, but it's not now. And we're going to go look at healthier methods because we can't be screaming in someone's faces in order to let out our emotions because that's then affecting someone else. Um, That's not proactive. That's a complete opposite. And it really does start with accepting yourself, accepting the stages that you went through, the stages that you're at, to accept your level of emotionally, of emotional capacity and emotional intelligence to be accepting of others which is so hard to do but little activities can help you with me it was letter writing and it really made me think about the statuses I was putting people under under the guise of role models and that's something I'm going to be talking about later on this podcast and all sorts and people get confused about the word peace and how they want peace they seem to think peace is people getting their come up Come up with people getting what's our quotes to serve to them, what's coming to them, and all sorts. And some people try to force themselves into going to finding peace too soon when really they're not there yet. Peace is really being able to give constructive criticism, to still be kind when speaking to someone about how they made you feel, to still be kind when you're like you know what I understand that you feel this way but I won't feel that way you're a great person I have seen these sides to you and I have also seen those sides to you I've been trying to not use the word but because I feel like that contradicts if you're going to say something really good but then you're going but I seen this then you're saying something bad it's almost like you're contradicting what you just said. So that's something I'm working on and that's something I want to do to share because I think too, so many people forget about that. But yes, peace is how you communicate with others. Peace is not needing the answers. Peace is literally understanding your thought processes and where they stem from and being okay with that. It is. Like, peace... For me as a young adult is something can happen in the past and not affect me in the past, but it affects me now. And I'll be putting the work in to understand my past self, to understand why my past self felt the way they did towards people around that time, and then acknowledge how I feel about the whole situation around myself with the people involved and the situation at hand and come to an understanding to myself of where I can feel at peace by how relaxed I feel about the whole situation you are allowed to feel at peace with the situation but not be at peace if you see that same person out in the street because that is a completely different thing that is a completely different scenario I can be okay with a girl Actually, let me rephrase that. I can be okay with understanding how a girl had treated me in school, but I will still be hostile if I see them in the street now. And that is okay, because that is completely different. It is not it is connected, but it's not the same. You can it's just about being understanding about the past but you still don't feel right seeing that person around you, whether it's in your close circle or walking past you in the street. Because I had wrote here about how... Mm. Yes, so I was talking to someone about how... When you actually do inner inner childhood work, inner child work, you don't realise the amount of things that we had told ourselves, that we had taught ourselves and how other people have taught us from, for me, the age from when I am born to 24. And it really made me think about, imagine someone that's held so much in their life, that's in their 50s. Imagine how much they have not unravelled about their life, about their own thought process and how they could have some ill patterns that they've continued to hold on to from the age of birth to 50. And that's going to be so hard for them to unravel and understand because emotions are so strong and emotions are so overwhelming that it can make us not want to look within. It can make us not want to talk about anything about people or anything like that. And it can actually put off people from wanting to heal as well from wanting to go to counselling and for me I am completely understanding that yes I am unraveling thought processes to where I am now and that something could happen to me now at the age I am in for the very first time as 20 or four years so something can happen to me as 24 year old and I may not be realizing something or ready to heal from it until I'm 50 but as long as I'm putting in the work now from birth to 24 I feel confident that when I am older I will be at a stage where I'm ready to face whatever happens to me in my early 20s and despite being confident in that and being accepting of that well for me it is. There is a man I came across called Dr. Geber Matt or Matte, if I'm butchering that name, I apologise. But he was recently talking about, well, I believe it's his lifelong work, but recently I seen on TikTok, he was on a podcast. He's quite an old fellow. And he was talking about teenage, how your childhood teenage trauma Can impact you as an adult and it talks about how trauma is linear and healing is linear and how we are constantly going through a healing process when we are ready like no matter how old you are and how old you're going to be you are always going to have something to learn from to heal from to process from because so much happens to us in our lifetime and it's all about what level are we at in our emotional intelligence and emotional capacity and our emotional authority actually to be present in who we are on the inside. Because I know right now, I am my inner child healing is all about from recent years from when I'm. Twenty to now, so four years. I am unraveling, unpacking. Whereas for some people, they might be twenty-four and unraveling whatever happened to them when they were five. A fifty-year-old could be unraveling from something that they that happened in their early twenties. No matter what age you are at, there is something to unpack. As you could, I could be busy unpacking the last four years for the next five years and by year 10 I might have to unravel everything from that age graph that I had not unraveled because I was focused on unraveling everything up to the age of 24 which sounds so mind-boggling but that's just who we are as people and what happens in our brain and in a psychology point of view as well but he also spoke about how Something kind of similar to what I was saying before, something that happened in your childhood can be impacted in your teenage years. And something that happened in your teenage years can be processed in your early 20s, your early 20s to your early 40s, to your late 40s to your 60s. There is so much trauma in each, each state of years in your life. That it actually shows how much life experiences and people just impact us so much. And it's so crazy to even think that. But it actually happens. And I don't know if that's a sad thing or not. I actually don't. But I just thought it was super interesting. So I just wanted to share that dude's name. Because he sounds quite class. So if you need to want more research, it's Dr. Gaber Matt. So G-A-B-E-R. M A T E, but there's like a hyphen above the E, and he talks about teenage childhood teenage trauma impacting adults. The next side of inner child healing is talking about stages of development. We are born at our parents' level of development. If you are in this family of 10, of 5, of 3, you all represent a stage of your parents' development. Your siblings will not have a, have the same perspective as you. They will not have the same experience as you. And that's all to do with their own stage of development, whilst being born in a parent's stage of development, um, being born at your stage of development too, if you are one of the eldest as well. And when you actually impact that as an eldest child, because I am the firstborn, I thought about myself and my mum and dad, because I was first born. I thought about my mum and dad and what I was born into and what level were they at in their development that I was born into. And then I looked at my sister. What stage of my mum and dad did my sister get? And then my brother. And then us as a family now what is our stage development now? Because my own reflections was, I am the firstborn, I'm the firstborn child, I'm the firstborn hearing child, so I was born into my mum and dad here, both deaf. And I'm the firstborn. They're gonna love up. I'm gonna be the one getting all the attention and be pure buzzing, pure loving it, all sorts. Then my sister was born. She is the first deaf child. And automatically, my mom's going to see a lot of herself and Rachel, my sister. And be a little bit more guarded, more protective. All of her attention goes into her. Then Ryan was born, my brother. The youngest male, but also the youngest child. And we all know the youngest child are the babies. They are the favorite. So my mum, not to say she doesn't adore the rest of her children, because she does, but her stage development after having me and Rachel was very much Ryan's stage, the centre stage. And my dad, who is a deaf man is going to see a lot of himself in his son. And all their attentions are in on them. And weirdly enough, I can think this way. Like, I, and I accept that I did think that way towards them when I was younger but I don't think that way now I don't I accept that that was just me as a child just automatically being jealous uh not understanding how I fit into this family as the only hearing child and not having anyone in my immediate family to identify with other than my friends other than my partner's family other than my cousins and my uncles and my aunts 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 And that is okay. And then I also had to look at where my family is at now. And the family I was born into, both my mum and dad, and when Rachel came along and when Ryan came along, we are not the same family we were back then. We are, from my perspective, I feel a lot more content with them. I feel a lot more love and That's because I let go of all the weird resentments and negative thoughts that I always had. No, it would be resentment, because obviously when you're born into a family of just a a deaf family, a deaf community, there was a bit of bitterness. There was a bit of resentment of thinking, myself just thinking, you know what? That's a dream family. They can see themselves in their children. They're all deaf. They're probably glad not having a hearing child or wanting to depend on hearing child. But that was obviously something I had to go free and let go, which is actually quite sad. So I feel, I feel a lot of sympathy towards myself, my younger self. But it isn't the story now. We all support each other. We all love each other. We would all literally die for each other. Like, I see my family every day. We support each other every single day. And it's a literally, it's a literal beautiful family dynamic. And I couldn't be more grateful for being born into a family that I have now. But it's but it took a lot of work for me to get here of peace and acceptance towards me, my own emotions and feeling guilty that I felt that way towards my family and feeling guilty that I felt the way towards my sister, towards my brother, towards my mum, towards my dad. Well, literally all, when you think about it, in a family dynamic, all anyone wants is to be understood and loved. And we all have different love languages. We all have different methods of showing love and receiving love. And it's about communicating that so we can all meet each other's needs and wants. And it is hard as a child to be able to explain your needs and wants when you don't actually understand it in the first place. To also... And on that note yes being born at parent stage of development some the perspective siblings has will have is going to be different because siblings are at their own stage of development and being aware of what stage of development we are at and being aware of our capacity to fill the gaps of everyone's stage of development when we're all still learning on because yes, I've came to this understanding of the utmost positivity, love. I can't think of any more positive things, but hopefully you get the vibe. Hopefully I'm really hoping. But you never know. Your sister or brother might not be at the same level as you you as you because they have their own stage development, they have their own experiences, they have their own whatever. Like my sister could be dealing with distrust or feeling doubted as a deaf woman and how that can affect her because everyone has different needs and different experiences and diff- like specifically different life experiences. We do not ever have the same experiences, maybe similar as in how something made us feel, but we will never ever walk in anyone's shoes to be able to know their experiences, which is why it's important to recognize the stage of development. It really is important because when you think about it, I don't need to say anything more on that matter, actually, because I feel like I explained myself enough. And if I keep explaining, I'm just going to get confused. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it there for some and parents and your own stage of development and your family unit stage of development. For now, yes, I'll do that. So, this is something I really wanted to talk about. It's still due with stage of development, but it is. See, I'm looking at the sky in my work, and the sky is orange and pink and purple, and it is so cute and beautiful, and there's birds flying. Amazing. But back to business. So, I was really, really looking into of me I was looking into stages of development of citizens of individuals that we meet in our life whether they become close friends or acquaintances or we have or we were friends but there was a conflict and you just needed to get the hell away from me and I thought it was interesting that we have close friends and we m- when we make friends we are still separate people we are individuals but we are at different stages of development within themselves and in life but yet we choose to grow with each other that's a friendship we choose we choose to grow through each other's stages of development with each other's stages of development and support each other and it's very interesting to think that the people we fell out with, the people that we liked but then grew to dislike, the people who became acquaintances to no longer speaking to them, of how we can understand and hear each other's stages of development and meet at a stage of development but quickly pull away because we're like, you know what? This is a bit too much for me, this is just not ideal, you're a bit of a liar, you're a bit of a scammer, this and that, and we separate when realistically not realistically but my thought process was if we were understanding of each other's stages of development then why can't we have more friends why can't we trust more people but so but then came the question of is it really about that or is it about people's emotional capacity because i know as a child because i always felt unheard no one really wanted to I felt like no one really wanted to spend time to talk to me from like home so I had that assumption so I kind I would go out of my way to overshare to try to trust people right away to have that human hearing connection that I couldn't get from home, and and that can put a lot of people off as in oh, like, why is she talking to me all the time? Why is this? Why is that? And that can lead to them wanting to pull away and just be like, look, too much, whatever. And that is completely understandable. Yeah, it fucking hurts at the time, but that's completely understandable. And I used to think there was obviously an issue with me. There, I was obviously a common denominator because... Everyone seemed to not like me. Bad things just keep happening. And I just didn't understand. Because all I knew was I was living, existing and breathing. But I can recognise that now and that's okay. But I didn't do anything as in go out of someone's way, go out of my own way to make someone's life hell. I just realised it was something internal that no one was really telling me. Like if I was having a conversation, I just needed someone to sit down and be like, you know what, I hear what you're saying. And right away I hear... You are lost in your identity as a hero in person. You are lost in your identity and friendships. You don't know how to communicate effectively with other people, and you cannot and you can't haven't identified the emotions within you. So we need to start there. That's the conversation I would have wanted someone to have with me as a child. But I was journaling the other day, and I was journaling about How from my own experiences to listening to my friends and listening to young people in my job, of how people can be really quick to be like, I trusted the wrong person, I told the wrong person, this, this, that, and that. But is it really about trusting the wrong person? Or is it just that the other the person that you confided in was at a stage of development of them not being emotionally acceptive of others? Of other people because they didn't know how to and they didn't have the space to hold for you because they are going through the stage of development of trying to figure out where the fuck they are at. And I think that's a very interesting question to ask. And I was actually talking to my young people about this because when I was journaling about someone I used to work with as a young person when I was 16 and I got asked to leave a workplace yeah I'll leave it at that asked to leave a workplace based on over exaggerations and assumptions of others and I was really hurt by it for years I was really hurt because I didn't understand how so many conversations were happening amongst colleagues and I didn't understand why I wasn't involved in that conversation about my own emotions and my own well-being and me as a person. If conversations about choices are being had about me as a human being, I deserved to be in those conversations. And it hurt more because there was a woman that I really looked up to as a youth worker, thought she was brilliant. She was the reason why I got into youth work in the first place. I find out that she was involved in, this, in these conversations while having completely different conversations with me in private and I was severely hurt by it and I had to well this was years ago so I had to sit with myself and be like why is it that I'm still feeling angry towards this like bitterness all the negativity like it's not a five we're gonna let go so I had to sit with myself and write a letter to this woman a realistic letter of what I would say to her now and it actually made me think about role models because I did look up to her as a role model but then I had to say to myself I feed her as a role model but she doesn't have to take that title on that's a huge status and that's okay and how Role models are really, because I realized I looked up to her as a role model because she had all the qualities of a woman and a youth worker that I didn't have in myself from the ages of 16 to 20. Uh, So I would constantly go to her for advice, constantly speak to her like she was just the one person in that workplace that I would speak to all the time. But that's because she had qualities and characteristics that I felt I didn't have and that I wanted to have. And I looked up to her for that. And I had to sit down and ask myself, well, what is natural role model? Uh, And it really, from my letter that I wrote, it actually made me think that she was my role model then because she had all the characteristics that I didn't have. Therefore, she filled the gap in my inner child of things I didn't have. And when she went away, well, not went away. Like, but whenever that got taken away or whatever, it felt like a betrayal. It felt like my inner child was like, "Hold on here, you filled that space, and now you're going to fuck off." Like, what? I was like my five year old self, just screaming and being angry, and I had to recognize that and be like, "It's all chill. It's all good. Like, it's not a big deal. This was all just a perception, and that's okay." because we all have choices and we all have perspectives and visions and that is completely okay. And I actually had this conversation with my own young people, because uh, I'm a manager of Youth Centre, and I sat down and I spoke with the girls and they actually said they were, without me bringing it up, they had said they were learning it in school and at home. So we spoke about role models and I had asked, well, is a role model someone you're wanting to be or aspiring to be? Because the role model, because if you are, the role models you're choosing could be something that you're lacking in, that you feel like you're lacking in or missing in, and despite identifying that within yourself. And I started this conversation of role models, of whether role models are actually good or bad, because I recognize in great work, when I'm doing projects with young people write role models, we automatically get a piece of flipboard, write remote role models and say, who's your role model and why? Almost, and depending on the questions that we are asked, maybe it's just a case of rephrasing questions, I don't know. But if you're going to ask a young person, who do they admire? Who do they look up to? Who do they aspire to be? You're automatically asking them. Who do you want to be that's not you? So you're already putting in seeds without even realizing it in their heads that they should be looking up to other people and being influenced by other people and admiring other people instead of themselves. Because you can have you can have role models that have the exact same qualities as you. Because right now, as a 24 year old, I am finding I don't really call them role models. I just say people I admire. Uh, But for the sequence podcast, I will say role models. I am finding role models that I have now are actually at the stage of development that I am at and I am recognizing that. And I'm not looking at that in a toxic fury. I'm not looking at that as saying, I want to be them or they have something that I don't. Because I am very self-aware and accepting that I recognize that within myself. But to a young person, if you're constantly talking about role models, depending on the questions you're asking, are you almost asking them to be someone else? And will that then lead them with ident- identity issues in the future? Especially if, because the ones the kids always we say is Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, Kourtney Kardashian, because they have the money, they have the looks, they can afford anything. But that's then looking into the young person of what they don't have they're not from a stable home they're not they're they're not from a financially steady income they're not independent they live with abusive families they are just not capable of looking after themselves or their occur at home and it's actually a lot to for a young person to unpack in the topic of role models, so there we have literally identity issues, but then on the plus side of it it's good that we do have role models because from nursery kids learn from kids learn from others from nursery In my experience being a child care practitioner like I said in the start of this podcast kids learn by example you don't teach a kid manners by constantly being like manners 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 no you start every time they do something you say please thank you you're welcome and the kid the child the young person will start to pick that up and say it back to you so when we have role models it could then just be a case of role model being seen Gomez because she spoke out about mental health and she is a very kind person so they can learn from her by being more accepting of mental health being more accepting of their emotions and putting in effort a conscious effort to be kinder to others so there's three different there's three different takes there are we automatically telling ourselves and young people to be someone else to start thinking that they should be someone else and are our are, are role models identifying the gaps within us, things and characteristics that we don't have? Or is it in a positive light of learnt behaviour by learning from our role models and just being a better person by seeing how other people behave and act in a certain way? That's the thought process, I'm leaving you here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Might be a bit of mumbo jumbo of me trying to articulate my findings, but I hope this finds you well. And if you ever want to we chat or to tell me what you thought of my podcast, send me a message on Instagram or email me. My Instagram is astrology with Alma, and my email is main at gmail.com. Thank you very much, I'll connect with you soon, and good night.